section sixteen of shirley by charlotte bronte this librivox recording is in the public domain whitsuntide the fund prospered by dint of miss keeldar's example the three rectors vigorous exertions and the efficient though quiet aid of their spinster and spectacled lieutenants marianne ainley and margaret hall a handsome sum was raised and this being judiciously managed served for the present greatly to alleviate the distress of the unemployed poor the neighbourhood seemed to grow calmer for a fortnight past no cloth had been destroyed no outrage on mill or mansion had been committed in the three parishes surely was sanguine that the evil she wished to avert was almost escaped that the threatened storm was passing over with the approach of summer she felt certain that trade would improve it always did and then this weary war could not last for ever peace must return one day with peace what an impulse would be given to commerce such was the usual tenor of her observations to her tenant gerard more whenever she met him where they could converse and more would listen very quietly too quietly to satisfy her she would then by her impatient glance demand something more from him some explanation or at least some additional remark smiling in his way with that expression which gave a remarkable cast of sweetness to his mouth while his brow remained grave he would answer to the effect that himself too trusted in the finite nature of the war that it was indeed on that ground the anchor of his hopes was fixed thereon his speculations depended for you are aware he would continue that i now work hollow's mill entirely on speculation i sell nothing there is no market for my goods i manufacture for a future day i make myself ready to take advantage of the first opening that shall occur three months ago this was impossible to me i had exhausted both credit and capital you well know who came to my rescue from what hand i received the loan which saved me it is on the strength of that loan i am enabled to continue the bold game which a while since i feared i should never play more total ruin i know will follow loss and i am aware that gain is doubtful but i am quite cheerful so long as i can be active so long as i can strive so long in short as my hands are not tied it is impossible for me to be depressed one year nay but six months of the reign of the olive and i am safe for as you say peace will give an impulse to commerce in this you are right but as to the restored tranquillity of the neighbourhood as to the permanent good effect of your charitable fund i doubt ely masonary relief never yet tranquillized the working classes it never made them grateful it is not in human nature that it should i suppose were all things ordered right they ought not to be in a position to need 
that humiliating relief and this they feel we should feel it were we so placed besides to whom should they be grateful to you to the clergy perhaps but not to us mill owners they hate us worse than ever then the disaffected here are in correspondence with the disaffected elsewhere nottingham is one of their headquarters manchester another birmingham a third the subalterns receive orders from their chiefs they are in a good state of discipline no blow is struck without mature deliberation in sultry weather you have seen the sky threaten thunder day by day and yet night after night the clouds have cleared and the sun has set quietly but the danger was not gone it was only delayed the long threatening storm is sure to break at last there is analogy between the moral and physical atmosphere well mr moore so these conferences always ended take care of yourself if you think that i have ever done you any good reward me by promising to take care of yourself i do i will take close and watchful care i wish to live not to die the future opens like eden before me and still when i look deep into the shades of my paradise i see a vision that i like better than seraph or cherub glide across remote vistas do you pray what vision i see the may came bustling in with the tea things the early part of that may as we have seen was fine the middle was wet but in the last week a change of moon it cleared again a fresh wind swept off the silver-white deep-piled rain-clouds bearing them mass on mass to the eastern horizon on whose verge they dwindled and behind whose rim they disappeared leaving the vault behind all pure blue space ready for the rain of the summer sun that sun rose broad on whitsuntide the gathering of the schools was signalized by splendid weather whit tuesday was the great day in preparation for which the two large schoolrooms of briarfield built by the present rector chiefly at his own expense were cleaned out whitewashed repainted and decorated with flowers and evergreens some from the rectory garden two cartloads from fieldhead and a wheelbarrow full from the more stingy domain of de walden the residence of mr wynne in these schoolrooms twenty tables each calculated to accommodate twenty guests were laid out surrounded with benches and covered with white cloths above them were suspended at least some twenty cages containing as many canaries according to a fancy of the district specially cherished by mr hellstone's clerk who delighted in the piercing song of these birds and knew that amidst confusion of tongues they always carolled loudest these tables be it understood were not spread for the twelve hundred scholars to be assembled from three parishes but only for the patrons and teachers of the schools a children's feast was to be spread in the open air at one o'clock the troops were to come in at two they were to be marshalled till four they were to parade the parish then came the feast and afterwards the meeting with music and speechifying in the church why briarfield was chosen for the point of rendezvous the scene of the fete should be explained it was not because it was the largest or most populous parish when very far outdid it in that respect 
nor because it was the oldest antique as were the hoary church and rectory nunnally's low roof temple and mossy parsonage buried both in coeval oaks outstanding sentinels of nunwood were older still it was simply because mr hellstone willed it so and mr hellstone's will was stronger than that of boltby or hall the former could not the latter would not dispute a point of precedence with their resolute and imperious brother they let him lead and rule this notable anniversary had always hitherto been a trying day to caroline hellstone because it dragged her perforce into public compelling her to face all that was wealthy respectable influential in the neighbourhood in whose presence but for the kind countenance of mr hall she would have appeared unsupported obliged to be conspicuous obliged to walk at the head of her regiment as the rector's niece and first teacher of the first class obliged to make tea at the first table for a mixed multitude of ladies and gentlemen and to do all this without the countenance of mother aunt or other chaperone she meantime being a nervous person who mortally feared publicity it will be comprehended that under these circumstances she trembled at the approach of whitsuntide but this year surely was to be with her and that changed the aspect of the trial singularly it changed it utterly it was a trial no longer it was almost an enjoyment miss gildar was better in her singular self than a host of ordinary friends quite self-possessed and always spirited and easy conscious of her social importance yet never presuming upon it it would be enough to give one courage only to look at her the only fear was lest the heiress should not be punctual to tryst she often had a careless way of lingering behind time and caroline knew her uncle would not wait a second for any one at the moment of the church clock tolling two the bells would clash out and the march begin she must look after shirley then in this matter or her expected companion would fail her with tuesday saw her rise almost with the sun she fanny and eliza were busy the whole morning arranging the rectory parlours in first-rate company order and setting out a collation of cooling refreshments wine fruit cakes on the dining-room sideboard then she had a dress in her freshest and fairest attire of white muslin the perfect fineness of the day and the solemnity of the occasion warranted and even exacted such costume her new sash a birthday present from margaret hall which she had reason to believe cyril himself had bought and in return for which she had indeed given him a set of cambric bands in a handsome case was tied by the dexterous fingers of fanny who took no little pleasure in arraying her fair young mistress for the occasion her simple bonnet had been trimmed to correspond with her sash her pretty but inexpensive scarf of white crape suited her dress when ready she formed a picture not bright enough to dazzle but fair enough to interest not brilliantly striking but very delicately pleasing a picture in which sweetness of tint purity of air and grace of mien atoned for the absence of rich colouring and magnificent contour what a brown eye and clear forehead showed of her mind was in keeping with her dress and face modest gentle and though pensive harmonious it appeared that neither lamb nor dove need fear her but would welcome rather in her look of simplicity and softness a sympathy with their own natures or with the natures we ascribe to them after all she was an imperfect faulty human being fair enough of form hue and array 
but as cyril hall said neither so good nor so great as the withered miss ainley now putting on her best black gown and quaker drab shawl and bonnet in her own narrow cottage chamber away caroline went across some very sequestered fields and through some quite hidden lanes to fieldhead she glided quickly under the green hedges and across the greener leaves there was no dust no moisture to soil the hem of her stainless garment or to damp her slender sandal after the late rains all was clean and under the present glowing sun all was dry she walked fearlessly then on daisy and turf and through thick plantations she reached fieldhead and penetrated to miss gildar's dressing-room it was well she had come or surely would have been too late instead of making ready with all speed she lay stretched on a couch absorbed in reading mrs pryor stood near vainly urging her to rise and dress caroline wasted no words she immediately took the book from her and with her own hands commenced the business of disrobing and re-robing her surely indolent with the heat and gay with her youth and pleasurable nature wanted to talk laugh and linger but caroline intent on being in time persevered in dressing her as fast as fingers could fasten strings or insert pins at length as she united a final row of hooks and eyes she found leisure to chide her saying she was very naughty to be so unpunctual that she looked even now the picture of incorrigible carelessness and so surely did but a very lovely picture of that tiresome quality she presented quite a contrast to caroline there was style in every fold of her dress and every line of her figure the rich silk suited her better than a simpler costume the deep embroidered scarf became her she wore it negligently but gracefully the wreath on her bonnet crowned her well the attention to fashion the tasteful appliance of ornament in each portion of her dress were quite in place with her all this suited her like the frank light in her eyes the rallying smile about her lips like her shaft straight carriage and lightsome step caroline took her hand when she was dressed hurried her downstairs out of doors and thus they sped through the fields laughing as they went and looking very much like a snow-white dove and gem-tinted bird of paradise joined in social flight thanks to miss hellstone's promptitude they arrived in good time while yet trees hid the church they heard the bell tolling a measured but urgent summons for all to assemble the trooping in of numbers the trampling of many steps a murmuring of many voices were likewise audible from a rising ground they presently saw on the winbury road the winbury school approaching it numbered five hundred souls the rector and curate boltby and dunn headed it the former looming large in full canonicals walking as became a beneficed priest under the canopy of a shovel-hat with the dignity of an ample corporation the embellishment of the squarest and vastest of black coats and the support of the stoutest of gold-headed canes as the doctor walked he now and then slightly flourished his cane and inclined his shovel-hat with a dogmatical wag towards his aide-de-camp that aide-de-camp done to wit narrow as the line of his shape was compared to the broad bulk of his principal contrived notwithstanding to look every inch a curate all about him was pragmatical and self-complacent from his turned-up nose and elevated chin to his clerical black gaiters his somewhat short strapless trousers and his square-toed shoes walk on mr dunn you have undergone scrutiny you think you look well whether the white and purple figures watching you from yonder hill think so is another question these figures come running down when the regiment has marched by 
the churchyard is full of children and teachers all in their very best holiday attire and distressed as is the district bad as are the times it is wonderful to see how respectably how handsomely even they have contrived to clothe themselves that british love of decency will work miracles the poverty which reduces an irish girl to rags is impotent to rob the english girl of the neat wardrobe she knows necessary to her self-respect besides the lady of the manor that surely now gazing with pleasure on this well-dressed and happy-looking crowd has really done them good her seasonable bounty consoled many a poor family against the coming holiday and supplied many a child with a new frock or bonnet for the occasion she knows it and is elate with the consciousness glad that her money example and influence have really substantially benefited those around her she cannot be charitable like miss ainley it is not in her nature it relieves her to feel that there is another way of being charitable practicable for other characters and under other circumstances caroline too is pleased for she also has done good in her small way robbed herself of more than one dress ribbon or collar she could ill spare to aid in fitting out the scholars of her class and as she could not give money she has followed miss ainley's example in giving her time and her industry to sew for the children not only is the churchyard full but the rectory garden is also thronged pairs and parties of ladies and gentlemen are seen walking amongst the waving lilacs and laburnums the house also is occupied at the wide open parlour windows gay groups are standing these are the patrons and teachers who are to swell the procession in the parson's croft behind the rectory are the musicians of the three parish bands with their instruments fanny and eliza in the smartest of caps and gowns and the whitest of aprons move amongst them serving out quarts of ale whereof a stock was brewed very sound and strong some weeks since by the rector's orders and under his special superintendence whatever he had a hand in must be managed handsomely shabby doings of any description were not endured under his sanction from the erection of a public building a church school or courthouse to the cooking of a dinner he still advocated the lordly liberal and effective miss gildart was like him in this respect and they mutually approved each other's arrangements caroline and shirley were soon in the midst of the company the former met them very easily for her instead of sitting down in a retired corner or stealing away to her own room till the procession should be marshalled according to her wont she moved through the three parlours conversed and smiled absolutely spoke once or twice ere she was spoken to and in short seemed a new creature it was shirley's presence which thus transformed her the view of miss keeldar's air and manner did her a world of good shirley had no fear of her kind no tendency to shrink from to avoid it all human beings men women or children whom low breeding or coarse presumption did not render positively offensive were welcome enough to her some much more so than others of course but generally speaking till a man had indisputably proved himself bad and a nuisance shirley was willing to think him good and an acquisition and to treat him accordingly this disposition made her a general favourite for it robbed her very raillery of its sting and gave her serious or smiling conversation a happy charm nor did it diminish the value of her intimate friendship which was a distinct thing from this social benevolence depending indeed on quite a different part of her character 
miss hellstone was the choice of her affection and intellect the misses pearson sykes wynn etc etc only the profiteers of her good nature and vivacity dan happened to come into the drawing-room while shirley sitting on the sofa formed the centre of a tolerably wide circle she had already forgotten her exasperation against him and she bowed and smiled good-humouredly the disposition of the man was then seen he knew neither how to decline the advance with dignity as one whose just pride has been wounded nor how to meet it with frankness as one who is glad to forget and forgive his punishment had impressed him with no sense of shame and he did not experience that feeling on encountering his chastiser he was not vigorous enough in evil to be actively malignant he merely passed by sheepishly with a rated scowling look nothing could ever again reconcile him to his enemy while no passion of resentment for even sharper and more ignominious inflictions could his lymphatic nature know he was not worth a scene said shirley to caroline what a fool i was to revenge on poor dunn his silly spite at yorkshire is something like crushing a gnat for attacking the hide of a rhinoceros had i been a gentleman i believe i should have helped him off the premises by dint of physical force i am glad now i only employed the moral weapon but he must come near me no more i don't like him he irritates me there is not even amusement to be had out of him malone is better sport it seemed as if malone wished to justify the preference for the words were scarcely out of the speaker's mouth when peter augustus came up all in grand tenue gloved and scented with his hair oiled and brushed to perfection and bearing in one hand a huge bunch of cabbage roses five or six in full blow these he presented to the heiress with a grace to which the most cunning pencil could do but defective justice and who after this could dare to say that peter was not a lady's man he had gathered and he had given flowers he had offered a sentimental a poetic tribute at the shrine of love or mammon hercules holding the distaff was but a faint type of peter bearing the roses he must have thought this himself for he seemed amazed at what he had done he backed without a word he was going away with a husky chuckle of self-satisfaction then he bethought himself to stop and turn to ascertain by ocular testimony that he really had presented a bouquet yes there were the six red cabbages on the purple satin lap a very white hand with some gold rings on the fingers slightly holding them together and streaming ringlets half hiding a laughing face drooped over them only half hiding peter saw the laugh it was unmistakable he was made a joke of his gallantry his chivalry were the subject of a jest for a petticoat for two petticoats miss hellstone too was smiling moreover he felt he was seen through and peter grew black as a thunderclap when shirley looked up a felf eye was fastened on her malone at least had energy enough in hate she saw it in his glance peter is worth a scene and shall have it if he likes one day she whispered to her friend and now solemn and sombre as to their colour though bland enough as to their faces appeared at the dining-room door the three rectors they had hitherto been busy in the church and were now coming to take some little refreshment for the body ere the march commenced the large morocco-covered easy-chair had been left vacant for dr boltby he was put into it and caroline obeying the instigations of shirley who told her now was the time to play the hostess hastened to hand to her uncle's vast revered and on the whole worthy friend a glass of wine and a plate of macaroons 
Goldby's church wardens patrons of the sunday school both as he insisted on their being were already beside him mrs sykes and the other ladies of this congregation were on his right hand and on his left expressing their hopes that he was not fatigued their fears that the day would be too warm for him mrs boltby who held an opinion that when her lord dropped asleep after a good dinner his face became as the face of an angel was bending over him tenderly wiping some perspiration real or imaginary from his brow boltby in short was in his glory and in a round sound voix du poitrine he rumbled out thanks for attentions and assurances of his tolerable health of caroline he took no manner of notice as she came near save to accept what she offered he did not see her he never did see her he hardly knew that such a person existed he saw the macaroons however and being fond of sweets possessed himself of a small handful thereof the wine mrs boldby insisted on mingling with hot water and qualifying with sugar and nutmeg mr hall stood near an open window breathing the fresh air and scent of flowers and talking like a brother to miss ainley to him caroline turned her attention with pleasure what should she bring him he must not help himself he must be served by her and she provided herself with a little salver that she might offer him variety margaret hall joined them so did miss kildar the four ladies stood round their favourite pastor they also had an idea that they looked on the face of an earthly angel cyril hall was their pope infallible to them as dr thomas boltby to his admirers a throng too enclosed the rector of briarfield twenty or more pressed round him and no parson was ever more potent in a circle than old hellstone the curates herding together after their manner made a constellation of three lesser planets divers young ladies watched them afar off but ventured not nigh mr hellstone produced his watch ten minutes to two he announced aloud time for all to fall into line come he seized his shuttle hat and marched away all rose and followed en masse the twelve hundred children were drawn up in three bodies of four hundred souls each in the rear of each regiment was stationed a band between every twenty there was an interval wherein hellstone posted the teachers in paris to the van of the army summoned grace boldby and mary sykes lead out winbury margaret hall mary ann ainley conduct nunnally caroline hellstone and shirley keeldar head briarfield then again he gave command mr dunn to winbury mr sweeting to nunnally mr malone to briarfield and these gentlemen stepped up before the lady generals the rectors passed to the full front the parish clerks fell to the extreme rear hellstone lifted his shovel hat in an instant out clashed the eight bells in the tower loud swelled the sounding bands flutes spoke and clarion answered deep rolled the drums and away they marched the broad white road unrolled before the long procession the sun and sky surveyed it cloudless the wind tossed the tree boughs above it and the twelve hundred children and one hundred and forty adults of which it was composed trod on in time and tune with gay faces and glad hearts it was a joyous scene and a scene to do good it was a day of happiness for rich and poor the work first of god and then of the clergy but let england's priests have their due they are a faulty set in some respects being only of common flesh and blood like us all but the land would be badly off without them britain would miss her church if that church fell god save it god also reform it End of section 16